Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What does it mean to be a disciple? It's one of those simple churchy words that we throw around a whole lot, but I'm not certain that we always understand exactly what we mean by it. And furthermore, we might have some associations conventionally, traditionally, that don't really fit with the biblical idea of what it means to be a disciple. What I mean by that is in our modern age, we tend to think that to be a disciple is a very intellectual endeavor. It's about filling your head with as much information as possible. And don't get me wrong, like knowledge is good. We want to grow in the understanding of God's word and his teachings. But discipleship is not a head trip. And from that ancient biblical perspective, discipleship is about attaching ourselves or being attached to Jesus, growing into his likeness, following after him. And so if I had to give you a simple definition of disciple, I would put it this way. To be a disciple is to follow after Jesus. And it's a follower of Jesus who shares his heart. That's it. To be a disciple is to be a follower of Jesus who shares his heart. In those dual or twin senses of share, both in the sense of growing more in his likeness, conforming to him, sharing his heart in common with your own, but also sharing in the sense of, of spreading his word, spreading his love, sharing the Father's heart with the world. That's what it is to, to be a disciple. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about discipleship. Today, I want to look at the process that Jesus enacts in order to form us as his disciples, in which he, he makes us to be his own, to be his followers. And Pastor Greg Finke has put this in a, a simple way. He says the process that Jesus uses, there's three stages to it, speaking just generally in kind of a broad brush. It goes like this. There's proclamation, participation, and replication. Those three stages. Proclamation, participation, and replication. So I want to walk us through that process, and then I'm going to talk about chainsaws. Sound good? You guys are like, yes, I'm here for it. All right, so the first stage is proclamation. Proclamation. This is primary in discipleship. It's hearing and receiving the glad news of deliverance, of what God has done, his deed in Christ Jesus. And we saw it in the gospel reading through the lips of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, whenever he sees Jesus, he can't help but cry out, ah, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he goes again. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You kind of wonder if Jesus started to get irritated by this a little bit. Like, John, okay, yes, the Lamb of God. Here, no, I don't mean to be irreverent. But this, it starts with this proclamation. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then John the Gospel writer tells us, Two disciples followed Jesus. Note well. That's what it means to be a disciple. They followed Jesus because of that proclamation. Because they've heard that announcement of what God has done. Who he is in his son. The Lamb of God. So also for us in our congregational ministry. In our life as believers. Proclamation is still primary. St. Paul says in Romans 10. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Hearing hearing through the word of God. How can they hear unless they have a proclaimer, a preacher, one who announces that word? And so discipleship starts with proclamation. That's primary. That's the, the fountainhead for our lives of discipleship. It's the fountainhead for our mission and ministry. And that's why as a church, of course, we make it our, our primary for us to gather together week by week, to hear God's word, to receive his gifts, 
And day by day, individually as disciples of Jesus, we receive his word, we read the scripture, in order that, out of that proclamation then, we might continue to follow him. And that brings us to the second stage. So that first stage is proclamation. That's primary, that's our bread and butter, we get that. So with the second stage, that our expectations might be flipped a little bit. The second stage is participation. Participation. Jesus sees a couple of these disciples, it's Andrew and probably John the Gospel writer himself, the beloved disciple, who are following after him. And Jesus wheels on them and says, hey, what are you seeking? What exactly is it that you're looking for? And they say, oh, we want to know where you live. Where are you staying, Rabbi? And Jesus says to them, come and you will see. Now, there's a straightforward, just literal understanding of that. Jesus is like, you want to know where I'm staying? Here, come on, follow me, I'll show you. But I hope that you hear something more in that. Jesus is saying, listen, you want to know me? You want to follow me? Then you need to abide in me, dwell with me, participate in my life. Now, again, notice how this runs counter to what our conventional expectations of discipleship might be. Oh, what are you seeking? Well, we want to be your disciple. Okay, Jesus says, then you need to go and study for three years. You need to cross all your T's, dot all your I's, and then we'll have a big test. It's going to be really intimidating, but if you pass, maybe I'll let you follow me. Is that what he says? No, of course not. He doesn't even simply say, see, and then come. Understand, make sense of it all, and then you can follow me. Instead, it's come, and you will see. The understanding comes in the following, right? And isn't this how it is in our lives of faith? We walk after our Lord Jesus. We follow him. In so many ways, we're like, Lord, I can't make sense of where you're taking me or how you're working in me, what you're up to. But the understanding comes in the following. The growth comes in the doing, in that participation. And with that participation also comes then imitation. Because how do we participate in the life of Christ? We do it by imitating within the body of Christ in many respects. We follow other faithful followers of our Lord Jesus. This is why it's so important, y'all, that we have a community of faith. That it's not just you and Jesus, but it's you, Jesus, and this whole fellowship, this family of believers that you have beside you. We live the life of faith in the fellowship and the company of one another. That's why so many of the things that we do here as a church, as part of our ministry and our mission of sharing God's heart by bringing people together in Christ, it's not just to fill up your calendar. It's not just to have fun things to do, although we hope it is fun. But it's because through the prayer partner program and our, our festive family gatherings and even through our coffee hour for crying out loud, these are opportunities for you to imitate your fellow believers. I see that he's drinking decaf. No, that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> But see, faith, as it's often said, is caught as much as it is taught. Amen? It gets passed through that elbow knowledge. And so we want to create environments and opportunities in which those elbows can be rubbed with one another, where our faith can be formed. We participate in the life of Christ, in the body of Christ, receiving the body of Christ in the Eucharist, and being the body of Christ then out in the world. Which brings us then to the third stage in that process of discipleship. The first one is proclamation. The second one is participation. And the third one is replication. Replication. See, if you share his heart, 
then you will share his heart. If you take part in Christ Jesus, then you will impart his love and grace to others. It's just a natural law of the gospel, if I may put it that way. St. Augustine said that the early church grew by one heart setting another heart aflame. One heart setting another heart aflame. And again, we see it in the gospel reading itself. So Andrew and, and John, they follow after Jesus. They dwell with him. They participate in that life. And then what does Andrew straight away do? He goes to his brother Simon, Peter. He says, hey, we found the Messiah. We can imagine Peter being just a little bit skeptical at this point. Like, ah, I don't know. And so it tells us that Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Now, the Greek word there suggests not just, hey, if you don't mind, he's going to be here at this time. Why don't you show up? But it's more like Andrew buttonholes his brother, and he's like, all right, we're coming right now. Are you sure? Yes, we're going to meet Jesus. Replication, see. It's not only telling, but showing and showing others how to follow in the footsteps of the Savior, bringing them to Jesus. And if that sounds daunting, just look at many of the, the patterns and the examples that we have within the gospel itself. Think of the Samaritan woman who Jesus speaks truth into her life. And she goes back to her village, and then she's immediately a doctor of theology. No, she just says to them, as Jesus said to those first disciples, come and you'll see. Come on, let's go. Or you think of, of Matthew, that Matthew, after he receives the grace of the Lord, the first thing he does, throws a party for all of his other tax collector friends. Come and meet this Jesus. That participation leads to replication. And here's where I know for so many of us, we just get stuck. We're like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to share my faith. I don't know how to share God's heart in the neighborhood. And this, again, is why we have our neighborhood ambassador training. Forgive me for the plug, but this is, this is why we do it, to help your faith to move, to uproot you, get you going, in order to walk in those footsteps in a simple way, to take those first steps of faith in order that we might grow more and more in his likeness and share his heart in the neighborhood. All right, so there's this process of discipleship then, proclamation, participation, and replication. But let's put it all together and think about what does that look like? And to me, when I think about what it looks like, I think about chainsaws. Now, you've got to understand, I'm a suburban kid, okay? You know, family, white collar, didn't have a lot of need for chainsaws growing up in Lake Orion. Um, but now that we own our property, we've got felled trees, we want to cut logs, and I just want to grow more doodly. Uh, <laughs> You have to have a chainsaw, right? You buy a few acres and it's like immediately they just give you a chainsaw. Congratulations, sir. <laughs> Sean Adams was the conduit of that. Thanks, Sean. So I get this chainsaw and you guys might know if you've ever tried to, to get it, you've bought a chainsaw and you never used one before. I did what anybody would do. I open it up and there's a booklet, right? It's about the size of the Bible. No pictures. Tiny, tiny writing. I'm reading through all of this. And I have zero idea. I'm like, how does anybody ever chainsaw after reading through this manual? Like, it's in English, but it might as well be in another language. And so I think, I'm never going to be able to do this. But then I thought, wait a second. I'm not the first guy who's ever chainsawed. In fact, I know some guys around here who love to chainsaw. <laughs> so I call up my buddy Hans. And Hans comes over, brings Jeremy. And Hans does a perfect act of discipleship. First of all, he proclaims to me, the law and the gospel of the chainsaw, right? The law that this chainsaw will remove your leg if you let it. And the gospel that you are able to chop up all manner of trees with it also. 
So he proclaims, and then he shows me how it's done, all right? All the ways to, to get the, the proper mixture of the oil and the, um, all the stuff. I'm still learning. And uh, <laughs> he does it. He practices it, splits some logs, and then he hands it over to me. All right, pastor, your turn. And he watches me, helps me all along the way, and then let me do it myself. And now I'm super excited about chainsaws. And so I brought the boys out the other day and we were doing some chainsawing and cutting away some, some brush there. And soon, not yet, don't worry, I haven't put it into their hands and let them just rock at it, right? But I'm going to be. And as I do, I'm growing as a chainsaw, right? You can see where I'm going with this. This is the, what the process of discipleship is like. It, you're never going to learn everything, what it means to be a disciple, simply by reading. It's important. It's necessary, but in many cases, like now when I read that manual from the chainsaw, it makes more sense, right? Because I put it into practice, because I've lived it. And so also, and even more so when it comes to the scriptures, that as you and I are following after our Lord Jesus, participating in his mission, now it makes sense. See, Now as we study the scriptures, as we learn, as we continue to grow, it's not a head trip, but instead putting into practice what we've already learned and seen in ourselves and in others. And look, this is good news. I want to close with this. This is good news for you and me that this is how our Lord works. And this is the process of discipleship because he doesn't wait for us to have it all figured out. He doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And if I can give one more shout out today to my uh, good buddy, Walt Kitchen, who's becoming a member of the church today and part of our family. Walt, Walt has a business card. I'm just doing all kinds of plugs here. So we're gonna, we'll post this up in the classifieds afterward, Walt's business card. But I love this. Walt says he's, he does amateur work at professional prices. <laughs> Unskilled, unlicensed, and uninsured. When good enough is good enough. God bless <laughs> You are good enough because Jesus is good enough. You are good enough because Jesus is good enough. Already you have his perfect righteousness. You can come unskilled, even unlicensed as a disciple and follow after him. Failing often. Floundering sometimes. But in it all, and being conformed to and growing into his likeness and sharing his heart. Don't believe me? Come and you will see. Amen. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.